Hey, this is Christian Watson, basketball, football, and baseball official. Thanks for listening to the Crown Rest Podcast. Serve the game. You are listening to the Crown Rest Podcast, the audio experience for basketball officials. officials. Serve the game. So I came across your profile a few weeks ago, and it said three-sport Division One official. And I said, damn, this guy's like the Bo Jackson of referees. So from one referee to the next, I just want to say congratulations on that accomplishment. Uh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Very lucky. So tell me about your origin story with refereeing, and how you got your start, what your growth process was like, to uh, where you are now in your career. Um, yeah, man, it's not too much different than everybody else's. Uh, my father was a... Uh, Sport, sports official. He did basketball and baseball. Um, he got me into it my junior year of high school. Um, I just did it on the weekends doing like low level select stuff, uh, just a mix of spending cash. Um, I'm originally from San Antonio and I ended up going to college in uh, Dallas and I didn't know any local associations to do a select ball or anything like that. So I joined the local high school chapters for basketball and for uh, baseball. Um, about two years in, two, three years into doing high school, um, I started talking to more and more college level officials and they encouraged me to go to some lower level, uh, junior college and D2 camps and stuff like that. Uh, I went to my first college camp at the age of 20, I believe, or like 20 years old. Way ahead of the game. Uh, you say that, man, but the game has changed a lot since then. I don't uh, sure, gotten younger, definitely. Oh, uh, for sure. Um, yeah, I got hired in 2011 for lower level baseball, uh, just uh, GCO NAIA stuff. And then uh, 2012, I got hired at the D2 and junior college level uh, for basketball. Um, that same year is when the NBA started their uh, grassroots program. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be in that little first group of people who went through that. Wow. And, yeah. Um, that That's probably the biggest jump I made as an official was just those couple of weeks that you spent with those guys, man. Um, I mean, you, you, have, you have the NBA guys on all the time, like uh, Scott Foster and stuff like that. But you can't help but get better at what you do when you hang around those guys who do it at such an elite level. Um yeah, um, 2014, I hadn't been doing football yet, and um, I was doing a middle school basketball game with a friend, and uh, he did high school football, and he needed a back judge, and I said, sure, why not sign me up? Um, I did one year of high school basketball, and this even one year of high school football, and then I decided that um, it really wasn't for me, that I really wanted to work at the college level, so... Um, I didn't want to be a back judge. I wanted to be a crew chief. I wanted to be a referee. Um, so I went to my first college camp that same summer, and I actually got hired in the Division Two league here in Texas. Um, uh, same thing. About the same year, I got hired at the Division One level for basketball and for baseball, all in the same conferences as well. Um, let's see, 2016. Yeah, 2016. I got hired in the MEAC full-time as a crew chief for football. And then 2017 is when I moved over to uh, the South London Big 12 for football. And there I am now. That's some big-time football there. 
Uh, yeah, um, very fortunate. Great group of guys, man, uh, top to bottom. Um, I work almost primarily in the Southland. I only had like one Big 12 assignment this year, but um, Big 12 guys, super nice guys, um, super friendly, open, um, great. Uh, I love our supervisor. I love our training staff. Like, very fortunate. Um, and the Southland is a football-heavy conference, and they run it just like any other, like our FBS conference. So I'm, I'm really fortunate to be in, in these leagues. As a matter of fact, uh, I pretty called. Uh, I was actually watching game films. I have a game this weekend. So, <laughs> where are we at this weekend? Um, I have uh, FCS playoff game at uh, Weber State, Utah, Salt Lake. It's gonna be a little cold, so uh, it's gonna be a little, little bit of an adjustment for us. Oh, good for you. So, is um, officiating your full time job? Um, it's about fifty fifty. Uh, I do do some marketing for um, a sports apparel company um, that I work about 30 to 35 hours a week doing that. And then officiating takes up another, I mean, if you don't count travel, about another 30 to 35 hours a week. So but I'm working about 60 a week total. So you um, got your foot in the door with baseball first at the collegiate level, then basketball followed. Then you were able to um, add football. Seems like you're really moving in football. Do you have a, a favorite sport? Oh man, uh, football for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, no matter where you go, man, it's it's a great environment. Um, I, I, I yeah. People ask me all that time which one do I love the most. Uh, just overall, uh, football is just it's just, it's just my joy. Um, they said it's always gonna be a packed house. Um, the band's always gonna be playing. It's always a, an event, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I love, I love all of them. You know, I love things about each sport and each sport is unique in this way, but, uh, football is definitely uh, my number one. Now, as an official of multiple sports, what do you think are some common themes for you that are transferable to all three sports? Oh man. Uh, game management for sure. Um, just dealing with personalities, dealing with athletes, uh, dealing with coaches, it's all the same across the board. These are all, I mean, they're all, especially at the college level, these guys are all professionals. Um, learning what you can say, what you can't say, um, knowing how to talk to players. Um, there's also like a credibility that you get automatically when these guys know that you work in that league in multiple sports as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think the biggest one though, is you learn how to deal with pressure Um like we don't really get too many pressure situations. We don't get to deal with too many pressure situations during the season um, that we just we can we can just become super comfortable in them all the time. Um, you know, you work with, and I worked you know about forty basketball games, college basketball games last year, and I would say maybe two to three. You know, were like down to the last second, last possession, you know, game on the line. You know, uh, you get two or three situations like that. I know I had two or three situations this year in football where it came down to last possession. I had two or three situations, you know, in baseball where it came down to the bottom of the last inning, you know, team needed to score and such and all that. Um, you, you just become more comfortable in those situations. Like you're able to like to zone in because you're, you're constantly in that type of environment. And I think that's the big thing that guys kind of miss out when they focus on doing just one sport is that, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Like that, that comfort level. 
yeah, you, you just feel at home in that situation. Like when the pressure's on, like you feel at home, you feel calm, like you feel like you belong. There's no like no mind wandering or anything like that. And to perform in that environment in, let's say, a, a football stadium packed with 30,000 people, you know, that's going to help you in the spring when you're doing doing baseball or, or, or basketball. It carries over. There's going to be a carryover effect there. Oh, 100%, man. Uh, you can't emulate that um, watching film. You can't emulate that, you know, during the summer doing select games. Um, it, it just It's just a different level of intensity when the games really matter. Like, you know, uh, when there's there's jobs on the line, when there's uh, team seasons on the line, like you can't replicate that intensity anywhere else but being out there. So um, that's the biggest thing I would say that I'm fortunate enough to be able to do three sports that carry over um, is dealing with pressure. Let me ask you a football question. This is something I've wondered. You know, with basketball, um, we talk to the coach a lot. Coaches expect a lot of dialogue out of us. Um, we have tools in our belt like, you know, an unofficial warning or technical foul at our disposal in football. I don't see too many flags being thrown at the head coach. So just talk to me about that dynamic, um, how you manage a coach, what you're able to do, what you can't do, that kind of stuff. Oh man. Um, <laughs> um, the amount of dialogue is about the same. Um, I personally don't hear too much of it because I am a referee. So I'm in the middle of the field. So I get the tail end of the, I get the I get I get the coach once he calms down. Typically, they go after my uh, line of scrimmage officials pretty hard, and then that's a good get, spot to get the coach when he calms down. Yeah, <laughs> the referee. Um, but yeah, I, I know the guys I'm working with this weekend are two of the best in, in the conference that we have with uh, dealing with coaches and such. Um, I think the big one of the big things they do is separate the head coach from the assistant coaches. Um, I know it's a lot it's a lot harder for the guys to. Uh, communicate with the head coach or have an open dialogue with them when they allow the assistant coaches to chirp in every two seconds. Um, I know uh, um, it's, it's a constant rule book verbiage only is what we use. Um, we try to stay away from slang terms. Um, I know that gets us in trouble with it in basketball as well. Um, and also as a credibility when we do speak in rule book verbiage. Um, as far as dealing with discipline, like with flags and stuff like that on coaches, we try to stay away from that. Um, it's not as, uh, man, it's not, it's not really part of our culture in football to give text. I mean, give unsportsmanlike conduct fouls to coaches as in, you know, text for coaches. It's funny because I see them acting pretty much the same way on the sidelines, just different sports. Yeah. Um, I would say, I will say the, the conversations are a little bit more candid on in football just because there isn't uh, the tv cameras and there's not uh, mics down there on, on the sidelines so uh, or the fans so and they we say a little bit more um the leash is a little bit longer ours is typically if they come onto the field and demonstrative is typically the only time you really see a flag mm -hmm. um i know you saw i don't know if you saw the cowboys play a few weeks ago when jason garrett got a flag for uh using foul language um that wasn't received too well. So, I mean, it's just not part of our culture. Um, but I really, nine, just like in college basketball, man, and baseball, 99 out of 100 times the coaches are, like, real relaxed and they're respectful and they have more things on their mind opposed to the officials. You know what I mean? They need to win this game to, this is their livelihood. So, they're not really too worried about coming after us all the time. But gotcha. um, I know I personally, I try to keep, as a referee, I'm like the crew chief or the, 
referee and a, and a, and a basketball crew. Um, I try to keep an open dialogue with those guys. I know I always go talk to them um, before the second quarter, before the third quarter, and after the third quarter. I just walk over there like, hey, hey, brother, you got any questions, comments, or concerns, or anything like that? You know, I know they appreciate that. Um, one thing I do, um, I don't know if this, this helps me, um, I do go to the school's website and I learn a little about the coach, like his personal life and stuff like that, you know. So you can spark up a conversation about something outside of this com- competitive environment that we're in, you know. Um, like I had a game a couple weeks ago where both head coaches actually played football together on the same team uh, a long time ago. And, you know, we kind of just BSed about that for a minute. You know what I mean? It just adds a, I don't know, like, like credibility, but like it's, they feel more open and more candid with you. And they're, they're typically, they respond better to you during the game. Yeah, because you're doing your research, you're doing a little bit of homework on them, which is going to create some talking points. And I think it's always nice, too, when you go introduce yourself to a coach and you greet them by their first name and you've never met them before. Exactly. And um, that's that's exactly how I introduce myself to all the coaches. Um, I walk up to them, hey, coach so-and-so, it's Christian Watson. Uh, or if I haven't met him before, like this weekend, I'm like, hey, Coach Kill, uh, Christian Watson, pleasure to meet you, sir. And then my umpire introduced himself. And then if I know the coach, you know, I'm like, hey, hey, such and such, it's great to see you again, man. How you doing? How's such and such treating you? You know, how's the campus? You know, how's the team? How y'all guys looking? You know, just to go back on your Jason Garrett point. No, I didn't see that that game, but I did see you ref in their practice. Are you um, are you in sort of like an NFL grassroots type program? Oh, uh, no. Uh, so I think the, the Mavericks do it as well. I don't know if it's as commonplace in basketball as it is. I mean, the NBA is it, is it in the NFL, but uh, the NFL teams, I'm, I want to say about 30 of the 32 have uh, officials at their practices during the week um, just to help with like holdings and formations and all sides and DPI and stuff like that. Cause they do a lot of one-on-one stuff, but um, yeah, it's, it's fun, man. Um, all the guys, but typically, the only guys allowed out there are guys who work the higher level. I mean, I know, I know the guys who work our Cowboys practices all work in Power Five conferences for college football. And I want to say all the guys who work the Maverick practice here work at the Division One level in the Power Five. Um, yeah, you, you talk about reps. Uh, those reps you see out there with those guys at the speed they're moving, like you, you can't replicate that anywhere else. So. Now, I know there's a lot of differences between uh, college basketball and the NBA. Is there the same amount of differences between college football and the NFL? Oh, yeah, uh, for sure, man. Uh, the games are completely different. I mean, you, you watch a NFL game, almost the entire game is under center. So, I mean, there's just a difference in offense. I know they run a lot of you know, three receiver sets with the tight end at the, college, I mean, at the NFL level. You very rarely see that at the – college level anymore it's typically you know five wide or four wide in the back and they run the spread or they run a pistol type offense there's that but um less less about their strategy i was just speaking more about the rules oh the rules oh yeah like there's like i think there's like 115 different rules or rule change differences between the nfl and college um Mm -hmm. some are big like the catch you know in in nfl you have to have both feet down college is one feet um their goalposts are, are leaner than ours. Um, 
to roll on ineligible players downfield. Theirs is one yard, ours is three. You know, so I mean, it's like a bunch of like minute stuff like that. But um, we just typically go out there and get the big stuff and this formation stuff that we can see. Crown Refs Podcast is brought to you by Knee Tucks, the best way to keep your shirt or uniform tucked. If you're looking for that clean, professional look on the court, there's only one way to do it. Log on to NeatTucks.com and order yours today. Neat Tucks and Crown Refs, serving the game. One of the phrases for basketball is one rule, one interpretation. Talk to me about the philosophy of being a umpire behind the plate calling balls and strikes. Now, I know you hear a lot about, oh, this umpire has a different strike zone versus this one. How do you guys all stay unified and, you know, be in sync with your strike zone? Uh, at the college level, um, we're graded. Um, so at the college level, we're actually, there's actually cameras that record where pitches come through. Um, that, actually, that, that keeps you honest. Um, uh, I don't. I think it's something we kind of lack in basketball. I know football. Every single flag, every single play is reviewed by our, our, a grader. And same with baseball. Every pitch is recorded, and that's turned into our graders and our supervisors and such. Uh, we really don't have that for basketball, where every single game, every single plays evaluate just because of the that the mass amount of games you guys have or we have in basketball you know both like one or two a week in football and in uh baseball um yeah for strike zone um at the at the higher you get actually it's it's funny because the higher you get the easier it gets to work these um games like (laughs) Everything at Division One is pretty uniform. Like you know what I mean. Everything stands out. So, um, just don't be the guy who calls stuff that doesn't fit into the game, and you kind of you're all right. Like you know what I mean. But with the, the strikes, they all kind of these guys are high level athletes, and they know they hit the zone. Um, very rarely do guys struggle behind a plate at this level. Um, yeah, like I said, we're graded, so there's cameras. The video doesn't lie. So now the video doesn't lie. Um after the play, right? But you're still obviously calling it with a human eye, you know, after the pitch is thrown. Must be must be pretty cool or bad to go back and look at the film because you're going to know every single pitch you got correct or incorrect. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can't have a thin skin in this business at all, you know, um, or any kind of really any business in life, really. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, same with football, basketball, baseball. I go, I go in uh, – if I miss something, I I don't I don't when I, when I watch film, I really don't focus on if I got it right. I mean, obviously, I look if I got it right or got it wrong, but I also look why I got it right, why I got it wrong. And nine times out of ten, it's or yeah, nine times out of ten is just the breakdown mechanics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know with baseball, a lot of times uh, we get fooled by the uh, the catcher, and so we 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 get caught we get caught cheating instead of tracking the pitch. Or tracking where the the catcher, you know, how the catcher receives the ball. A lot of times, you know, you'll see the catcher like drag it out. It would be a strike, but the catcher's hands aren't strong enough, and they'll drag it out the zone when he catches it. So it looks like a ball when he catches it, but it's actually a strike. Or a lot of times, the ball will be off the plate, and he does such a great job of sticking it that it looks like a strike. So, um, I mean, it's the same with basketball. You know, um, you can't really you can't really go in, into watching film being scared to being wrong. Uh, you gotta take with it. You gotta take the take failure as an opportunity to get better. You know, so I mean that's the kind of mentality I take when I go in to watch a film and all that post game. 
On the high school level, uh, sports are spaced out, so they don't interfere with each other. But with college, obviously, the seasons are longer. Talk to me about the overlap of each sport at the NCAA level. Oh, man. Um, so I actually stopped doing high school because of that. Um, I, I just thought was, as I'm, I'm more of a quality over quantity guy. Um, I started – I stopped doing high school about two years ago. Uh, just because I thought it was an overload and it was messing. I wasn't, the reps are good, but they're not the reps that you want to get where you're at. Um, you know, uh, but when I'm in a season, I'm I'm in a season. I don't really do too much. I, I, I say I don't do too much overlap. I try not to do too much overlap. Right now we're in playoffs, so it's week to week for us. If we're going to have a game next week or not. So um, I don't know about football, but I mean, uh, I kicked off basketball season uh, two weeks ago. Uh, I just did some JUCO stuff during the week, but um, and same with baseball. Baseball starts beginning of February. Wow! First of, yeah, first week of February is when baseball season uh, kicks off, and so um, I'll be a <laughs> I'll be a I'll be a baseball umpire on my off days for basketball. If that makes sense. Yeah, and then you'll pick it up full time when basketball ends. Yeah, and uh, all my supervisors know that I do the sports, and uh, they're real. Uh, real understanding of it and I mean I think they appreciate it just because when they go to their commissioners and stuff and they're like hey I have this guy on our staff that does all three sports it kind of it makes it helps them you know do what they do but um yeah I, I don't I don't do too much I try to keep the overlap to a minimum um it's it's impossible though with like the studying and stuff like that because you can't really survive or the other side you can't you can't put a division one level product out there you know you're only doing it part-time. So um, even during football season, um, about 75% of my, my, my time and effort will go to football stuff. But I'm still watching basketball games. Like last night I watched the NBA game uh, to watch the officials. You know, um, same difference during uh, the end of basketball season when baseball starts picking up. I'll pop on like a SEC game or a Big 12 game, uh, watch those guys work. Um, I felt I got better work doing that watch these high-level guys work opposed to me actually going out there and doing high school games um, on, my, on my days off. You know, I, I referee three sports myself on the high school level. Um, okay, nice. I've heard of maybe one or two guys that have refed three sports on the college level. I've never heard of a guy do D1 in three sports. Have you besides yourself? Um, three. Um, I know a bunch of guys who do two at, at higher levels than I do. Um, nah, not all three. I know Bill Vinovich in the NFL. He's a NFL official, but he also does uh, Mount West and Pac-12 basketball, I believe. Okay. Um, like you have Gene Steratore, obviously, up there, Big Ten basketball and, you know, NFL. Um, no, honestly, I don't know too many people who do all three. Uh, I can't think of any. Off the top of my head, man. Honestly, it's really cool, man. I'm really, I'm really impressed and happy for you. It's exciting. I appreciate so. it. I appreciate it, man. Right place. Right... Go ahead. No, it's the right place, at the right time. You know what I mean? Uh, just got lucky. You've obviously accomplished a lot in a pretty short time. Surely, more than most officials would accomplish in a career. But I have a hunch that you're not satisfied, and you probably want more. So, what are your goals moving forward? Oh man. <laughs> Um, something our Big 12 supervisor tells us in football is uh, be where your feet are, man. And uh, that's kind of what I am right now. Um, 
there's end goals, but right now, um, my goal is to be the best at where I'm at right now in all my sports. Um, like I said, we got a game next week. Obviously, um, to be the best, we'd have to work a national championship, you know. So right now, the goal is working the national championship this year and football. Um, but it starts this weekend for us. So um, right now, the goal is to have a great game Saturday. <laughs> I love it. But, uh, and same with same with basketball, man. Uh, the goal is, is at the end of the day is to work the conference championship in one of my leagues. Um, same with baseball. Um, I don't. I, I I have a hard time making past where I'm at, um, just because if you you kind of get lost, you know. Um, if you're like goal, if your goal is to make it to one of the pro leagues, and you're you know you're still you know mid major, whatever, whether it be division one, division two, you kind of get lost to where you're at, and you kind of lose focus. You know what I mean? It's a lot easier to be where you're at, focus on being the best where you're at, and get be moving forward. I know. One of the things my junior college D2 supervisor told us a couple of years ago at a, a clinic, um, he said, um, whether it's in basketball or in business, you can't expect to get a promotion unless you're top 10 in your field, the top 10% in your field, you know, and I really took that to heart. So I'm, I'm really focused on literally being the best uh, at where I'm at right now. I'm probably, probably even think about all that stuff down the road, man. It's um, a great, oh, great, humble answer. <laughs> uh, that's the that's the honest answer, man. <laughs> that's well, listen, you gotta you gotta be in love with the process. A lot of a lot of people are always focused on the end goal, on what they want to accomplish down the road. But it's all about today, like you said. Be where your feet are. I have a friend that uses that same term, so I'm familiar with it. Um, let me ask you this: What is the most difficult sport for you to ref? And and it doesn't seem like you had too much difficulty. But in your your opinion, what's the hardest to move up in? The hardest to move up in, oh, for sure, is basketball. Um, just basketball is the hardest to move up in uh, just because of the amount of officials and the amount of games. Um, there's a lot more competition on, on at this level, and the NBA getting involved too now. Like the NBA is more involved with younger officials. I know when I first – when I was fortunate enough to get picked up by grassroots in that first year, it was they only took in Division One officials. Like I was the youngest there. I was like twenty two or so. But everybody else is like in like their late twenties, early thirties, and they're already doing Division One ball somewhere. Uh, and you fast forward ten years now, you know, NBA grassroots, they're picking up guys eighteen, nineteen, fresh out of high school. And that's like their their starting point is so much further than ours was, yeah. you know. Um can you imagine, like, coming out of high school and you got guys like Scott Foster and, and Zach Zarba t- teaching you how to officiate? And someone like doing at the very highest of levels opposed to, you know, another high school official. So um, basketball definitely has the most competition when it comes to that moving up. Um, it's also the most difficult to officiate just on number of plays you see and, and judgments you have to make. Mm. You know, uh, I mean, a basketball game, shoot, you could have up to – 40 to 50,000 a game, you know, plus another, you know, 40 to 50 no calls, plus 100 decisions you're going to make, opposed to uh, football, you know, we may be, we have 15 fouls, that's a lot, you know, um, baseball, um, yeah, you, you might get one or two tough plays, you know, so 
that's all you have to worry about. Um, I will say the toughest play, though, to officiate are uh, bangers at first base and tag no tags in baseball. Interesting. Yeah. It's it's almost impossible, man, especially like we have, as fast as these kids are nowadays. You know, you got to play at first or something like that where a, we have an overthrow and the kid catches it in the air and has to swipe down to hit that runner. It, it happens so quickly that you really have to, like, slow the process. You have to slow everything down. You have to process what you see. And that's and that's something that actually carries over to all three sports. You learn, like, to slow down your process, whether it be in basketball or football, throwing the flag or whatever. But you really have to slow it down and really see what you see. You know what I mean? It's really tough. And the fact that it always happens out of nowhere, you know, there's no always – like 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 in basketball, you know, you have a fast break, and you kind of you can tell like there's going to be like a block charge situation or a uh, goal team situation. You can't anticipate that. You really can't anticipate, you know, an overthrow and on in baseball on a routine grounder. Like, you know what I mean? It always happens out of nowhere. So as a whole, basketball is the most tough. Mm-hmm. But individually, the toughest plays would definitely be uh, baseball. Those bang bang plays at the plate. I was just kind of imagining while you were talking. I guess I would imagine that you know, anticipating that positioning for that tag is paramount, right? And it is in all three sports. So what, like, what would you say about positioning? Um, what are some tips that you have? Like, I don't know. I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is. Is, is positioning and adjusting and covering the field pretty much the same in all, all three? Oh, 100%. Um, just like in, uh, when bas- in basketball, you know, when you have to keep an open angle on a, a defender and a, and a dribbler, um, it, it becomes second nature. Like, you know what I mean? If you're at the top of the key and the guy's driving, you know you might have to, you know, step down a little bit to keep that open angle or, you know, you kind of you develop a feel for it, but it's the same with – with baseball and the same with football. Um, I, that's also something that I, I should have mentioned that earlier. That's something that helps too. Um, you just learn to anticipate movement of the players and what you need to do to be able to see what you need to see. Like I know I'm in the backfield with the quarterback the entire game. And, and a lot of times the pocket will collapse, or excuse me, the defensive ends will speed rush and force the quarterback up inside the pocket. And I'll have to take a step or two up. Uh, that that's the same thing as a dribbler attacking the basket and me having to take two or three steps down from trail, you know, work a, you know, almost come down to free throw line extended to see the play um, at the rim. You know what I mean? So uh, you learn, you, learn you, just, you become more comfortable, you become more confident in your position adjusting as well. Um, doing all these sports. Yeah. yeah uh, baseball, the base, like I said, baseball is a tough one though when it comes to position adjustments because you never know, like, like you, like you don't know how well the ball is going to be thrown. If that makes sense, like you can see the guy throw it from left field, but you don't know if he's going to one hop it and it's going to make it to the plate, or he's going to throw it high and the guy's going to have to jump. Um, you don't know if he's going to throw it inside, throw it outside, you know, like that. So you're, it's almost a guessing game at that point. You, just, you, you just uh, you do the best you can. That's all you do. <laughs> yep. Get the play right. That's what my supervisor says. Get the play right, and we'll talk about the rest later. Sure, sure. Anything else you want to share? Any final thoughts? Um, I get asked a lot by like, like I say younger guys. I'm still pretty young, but um, I get asked by a lot by younger guys. You know, if I have any advice or anything like that, and all I I tell them all, um, don't doubt yourself. But um, I don't have phrases. Um, 
<laughs> don't come off cocky, but do what you believe you can do, if that makes sense. Um, I know when I first got started, when I first went to camp, a lot of guys told me I was too young to go to a Division One level camp. And um, I just really believed that I was good enough to work at that level. So I went. Obviously, I wasn't. I mean, I was 21 years old. There's no way in the heck I was going to be better, good enough to call at the Big 12 level. But I went I went just because I believed in myself. And I'm glad I did go because, um, first of all, that's what got me picked up in the grassroots program, which was just, you know, rocket shot my career. But um, the supervisors want to see that. They want to see young guys go to these camps and um, – get better, like go in their system, grow in their system, get better. Uh, I would say don't – just don't doubt yourself, man. Um, that Same with football, man. Uh, I'm a crew chief. You know, I'm I'm, thinking, I'm, thinking, I'm pretty sure I'm the youngest crew chief in – I am the youngest crew chief in division one football, but um, when I first started doing football, everybody was like, hey, you can't go to college level as a referee. You got to go as a deep guy. And then they moved you to referee. And I was like, no, I don't want to be a deep guy. I want to be a referee. I feel like that's where I need to be. And I went, and I was fortunate enough to get hired and then work the conference championship that same year in that conference that I got hired in. So, I mean, like I said, I, I, I see these younger guys all the time, and they're taking advice, and they're worried about, oh, man, I don't think I'm good enough to go to this camp. I don't know if I'm good enough to go to this camp. I'm like, just go to these camps, learn, uh, hang out with these guys, get better, man, uh, meet the supervisors, but don't ever doubt yourself, man. Uh, if, you, if you start doubting yourself, that's when, you know, bad things happen. You got to speak positive things into fruition. You know, you got to have that self-belief and a lot of other people are going to give you their advice, what worked for them, maybe what didn't work for them. And they'll try to tell you that that's not going to work for you. Ultimately, everybody has to carve their own lane and create their own path because everybody's path is different. 100%. Uh, I, I agree with that. 100%. Matter, matter of fact, look at all the guys who make it to the NFL. It's funny. Um, a lot of those guys are like our graders and our observers at our games. And you and like they'll tell us their origin story where they came from, and I swear none none of those two guys' stories are the same. You know, some guys were high level college officials, and one day got that call. One guy, I think one guy got picked up, you know, doing select games, like he was doing select football on the weekend, like flag flag football, but like peewees. Mm -hmm. And uh, NFL guys happened to be there. I was like, hey man, you're really good. And he went, you know, he did one year of high school, one year at JUCO, one year at D two, one year at D one. He was in the league right after that, so. Um, it's all, everybody's different, man. Just believe yourself, uh, do what you can do to stand out in a positive way. Um, me, I, I know I, I, I get, I get a lot of flack from, uh, my, my co-officials. They give they tease me, give me a hard time, but, uh, uh, I know you, you follow me on Instagram and stuff like that. Um, you know, I work out a lot. I mean, I'm in the gym. You got a couple, got a couple muscles. A little bit, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm in the gym seven days a week, honestly. Um, and uh, one of the things I was going to camps originally, I was going to camps and guys were like, hey, man, you got to find it's like advice from the older guys. They're like, hey, you have to find a way to stand out in a positive way to these supervisors. And because there's first of all, if you're going to Division One camp, everybody's going to be able to do the, the big stuff right. You know, they're going to get their fouls correct. They're gonna get, their mechanics are going to be solid, you know. They're going to know the rules. Everybody, that, that's a prerequisite to getting into these camps and stuff like that. But what can you do to stand out in a positive way to supervisors? You know, when you walk into the, the meetings and, uh, you know, your supervisor tells you you look like the rock, you know what I mean? 
I mean, everybody gets to laugh, but you know, you're that guy. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's something that stands in a positive way. Um, I, I can't tell you. It's always, I always get a kick. You know, my girlfriend watches all my games from home, and uh, it's always a kick because the, the announcers always have something smart to say. You know, it's always something funny, though. Like, it's always something like, oh, the referee did a bunch of push ups to warm up for the game, or. Which you did. You did a 50 set before you <laughs> went on the field. <laughs> Uh, those those are trade secrets, sir, and uh, those will those will stay uh, within the <laughs> conference. But uh, no, nah, man, uh, yeah, you gotta find somewhere to stand stand out in a positive way. I'd say, guys, uh, I tell those guys stand in a positive way. Um, don't limit yourself to one sport if you can. I know, I understand, like everybody's time isn't the same. You know, I don't have any kids or anything like that, so I typically have a little more time on my hands, and my job is incredibly flexible with what I do. Um, but yeah, like uh, like I said, all three help each other. Um, shoot, you never know which one you are like really, really enjoying, and like it'll take off for you. You know what I'm saying? You'd be surprised. Like, I'd say, I'd say about 25 to 30 percent of the officials in the NFL work college basketball or basketball in some sort. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. none of these guys that we break into these elite levels were doing uh, just one sport. I know uh, Adrian Johnson in the Major League Baseball. He's a he's an umpire and he's a Damn good basketball referee before he hung it up. Um, Gerald Austin, he's um, the supervisor for football officials for Conference USA. He's also um, he works for the Oakland Raiders now as a rules guy. But he, he was doing Monday Night Football as the rules guy, and I mean he was a Big East, ACC, uh, the old Southwest Conference, uh, Big Ten. Like he was the Final Four basketball official before the NFL told him to pick one. But um, like I said, don't limit yourself to one. Um, just go out and enjoy it. I mean, it's lucky. Enjoy the process, like you said. It's uh, we all tend to get lost in that. I know I had a conversation with a couple guys this year where we kind of get lost, and I think we have a habit of doing some basketball. We get lost, and oh man, I'm gonna work this game. I wanna work that game. You know, I wanna do this. I wanna do that. And you hear this a lot from like the older guys. Like, it's not about the games you work. Cause everybody forgets about that. It's about the relationships you build, and it, it really is, man. Like. I I really realized that this year, like it's all fine and dandy, but I mean we worked the national championship, worked the national championship. It is what it is. But I had a blast this year hanging out with all these guys and meeting these people and all that. So I enjoy that more now than I did in the past. So I'd say enjoy the friendships and all that on the way there. The time, like enjoy the hard times, like you know the driving the six hours to work a JUCO game or you know you know spending the night in like these. Roach Motels, you know, because you had a D2 game that was 12 hours away and, you know, dreaming one day making it to the big time and working those games on on CBS and stuff like that. But I'd say enjoy the enjoy the hard times, man, because once you get there, you know, that's, that's all business. But those, those, those are the funniest stories to tell. Like, you know what I mean? Those guys are reminiscing at camp around having a couple of beers and stuff. Those are the stories they talk about. They don't talk about their NCAA games. They talk about, you know, their JUCO games or the D2 games they work when they were first coming up and all the crazy stuff that they went through, you know. So I, I tell you guys enjoy the process and don't 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 uh don't get down and believe in themselves because it, it'll happen if you want it to. You familiar with the content and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, um, this morning uh I shouldn't say this. Oh, my employer's not listening. But uh, <laughs> I was at work earlier. I was uh, I was scrolling through your stuff, and I was uh, I know you guys posted something about communication with coaches. I think it was uh, some kind of thread that you got just putting your story. 
you know, mm-hmm. even like stuff like that, man. Um, I always come close about um, uh, like even something like whistle discipline. I think you had a, a podcast or not a podcast, but you had like a little segment on whistle discipline, like hearing the guy talk about whistle discipline when the double tweet and stuff like that. I mean, just like small stuff like that. I really appreciate it, man. I mean, like, like I told you uh, prior to all this, like I, I listen to a lot of this stuff uh, because I don't do basketball during during football season, you know? So, like, this is kind of me, like, prepping myself so when I do hit the ground, I'm hitting the ground running, you know what I mean? So, I mean, I really appreciate what, what guys like you do. I know you do this, and I know uh, Dwayne Johnson, a friend of mine, uh, lives out on the West Coast. He does, he does something similar for college football, and uh, what you guys do is, is just uh, you can't you can't measure what, what, how cool or how how much it helps the professional officiating. You know what I mean? You guys put a great product out there, and I, I really do appreciate you guys, man. Thanks for listening. Please go share this with a fellow official. Make sure you subscribe, and it would also mean the world to me if you left a review on Apple Podcast. Have a great day. Just dropped a new piece of content called 18 Ways to Help You Run and Serve the Game. It's a collection of posts and ideas designed to help you continue to add layers to your game. Use what you like. Disregard what you don't. We hope this brings you a lot of value as a referee. Serve the game.